0: Thanks for tuning in to MANA, a short daily meditation to feed hungry souls with God's Word. These episodes were prepared by ordained ministers for a radio broadcast called Voice of the Church and are now republished by the Reformed Perspective Foundation, a Canadian charity that applies biblical truth to the issues of our time. Here's today's serving. Hello and welcome to Voice of the Church. I'm Pastor Ryan Swale. It's good to be with you again. We've been... Uh, Looking at selections from the Song of Songs, I'm reading this book the way that the church has for much of its history as a a biblical theological depiction of the mutual love between the son of David and his bride, Uh, written as a song to move our affections and make us feel Christ's love. A few months back, we did a few meditations on the Song of Songs. I hope to do a few more this month, uh, beginning At the start of the song, in chapter 1 and the first part of chapter 2, I'll read portions of it as we go along. starts with the words of the bride-to-be, Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is better than wine. Your anointing oils are fragrant. Your name is oil poured out. Therefore, virgins love you. Draw me away and bring me into your chambers. Then the daughters of Jerusalem say they will run after them and rejoice in the king whose love is better than wine. In these opening verses, we see the bride-to-be's desire for the king. And that desire is for two reasons. First of all, she desires his love. She says it's better than wine. She wants his Kisses. She loves his smell. She wants to be brought into his chambers and know him in the biblical sense. The first reason for the bride-to-be's desire for the king is his love. And yet that's not the only thing that she desires. She also desires his name, which she says is like oil poured out. A person's name is their reputation. If your reputation is sunk, you might say that your name has been drugged through the mud, but not so with the one her heart desires. Rather, it's like oil poured out. Means he has a good reputation, has godly character. Because of his godliness and because of his love, she says to him, Draw me away. She longs to be brought into the king's chambers. And the daughters of Zion rejoice in her desire. They say, we will run after you. We'll be glad and rejoice in him. They agree with her that he is a suitable choice, that his love is indeed desirable. It's intoxicating like wine. His name is reputable. He's a man of godly character, and so as they rejoice in what she says, she responds and and says of the daughters of Zion, rightly, do they love you? What we have in these opening verses is an exclamation of desire, where we see that desire is not demonic, as one pastor said. Eros is not evil, but is a God-given gift to be celebrated, not merely endured for the sake of procreation, but celebrated. And as we understand this desire within the context of all of Scripture, this sensual desire that anticipates marital union, we learn of the sort of desire we're to have for Christ. That's why the church sings Jesus, the very thought of thee where Bernard of Clairvaux takes the words of Song of Songs 1 and applies them to the greater than Solomon, the greater than Bridegroom, the king whose face we long to see, and in his presence rests, whose name there is none sweeter than. That's why the church sings Newton's How Sweet the Name of Jesus Sounds, where in the original he refers to Christ in the fourth stanza as my shepherd, husband, friend. These words from Song of Songs 1 throughout the history of the church and the history of her worship have been understood in the context of marriage as a gospel mystery. And so the desire the bride speaks of is to be the bride of Christ's desire for him. That's why the language of the daughters of Zion in verse 4, will rejoice and be glad in him, picks up the language of Psalm 118. About the Lord raising up the rejected stone, in whom we rejoice and are glad. Or of Isaiah twenty-five, the Messianic feast. This is our God; we rejoice and be glad in His salvation. Or the chorus of the daughters of Zion picks up this language. The very fact that they are rejoicing in the bridegroom and exclaiming his love as better than wine, and then the bride-to-be says, rightly do they love you, rather than jealously denouncing them, suggests to us that this is no ordinary bridegroom, but one that we are to join in praising. Yes, we'll be glad and rejoice in him. His love is better than wine. It's intoxicating. This desire that we see in verses 2 to 4 is to be ours. And yet, if we're honest with ourselves, often it's not. But rather than finding ourselves lost in amazement at how wonderful Christ is, we live much of our lives as functional spiritual singles. The song is calling us out of our functional spiritual singleness to join the daughters of Zion, to join the bride, to join the people of God in celebrating the undying affection and godly character of the king. That's why this is written as a song, to speak to our affections. As one writer said, to get this song stuck in our head that we might never get it out. That's the goal of this song, to move us to say, rightly, do they love him? To to move us to say, his love is better than wine. This song is calling us to desire him. To have a marital kind of affection for Christ, where we long for union, we meditate on his name, verse 3, his godly character, his attributes, the, the meaning of the name Jesus or Christ. We meditate on the words of those hymns. Jesus, the very thought of thee with sweetness fills my breast, but sweeter still thy face to see and in thy presence rest. Asking God to make our hearts desire the same as the bride to be, who desires not only his godly character and love, but in verses five and following, desires his words of reassurance as she is filled with doubt. She she desires the king And yet she doubts his desire for her and says, I am dark, but lovely. Do not look at me, for I am dark. The sun has tanned me as I was made keeper of the vineyards. She's had to work outside and and so has a dark complexion. She hasn't had the luxury of those higher class women of remaining inside, but has to work the fields. And so she says, don't look at me. I've been keeper of the vineyards, but I haven't kept my own vineyards. I've not been able to keep up my appearance as I'd like. And so she speaks of veiling her face as she longs to see the shepherd king in verse 7. And again, that language of shepherd king is a symbol of the Lord. This is not ultimately just about Solomon. Solomon is not a shepherd, but this is an image for God and for the king who represents him. And vineyard throughout the Old Testament is an image for God's people. God's people who sometimes feel shame because of their sin or because of things that have been done to them. But the shepherd king speaks to them in verse 8 and says, If you do not know, O fairest among women, I compare you, my love, to a mare among Pharaoh's chariots, a perfectly built creature filled with grace and beauty. You are beautiful, my love. Your cheeks are beautiful with ornaments, your neck with chains of gold. You're perfect. Notice how he listens to her fears. He listens to her insecurities. He doesn't dismiss them, but he responds to them tenderly in the very way that she feels most unlovely. Not only does this teach us about the way that a husband ought to listen to and love his wife, but it shows us what God does for his people in the midst of their insecurity assuring us in the blackness of our sin that he has made us white as snow. He sees us as lovely because he's made us so by uniting us to himself and ornamented us not just with chains of gold, but robes of righteousness. Again, the song sings the gospel of a shepherd king who pursues his bride-to-be, makes her lovely, assures her of his love, and sings over her with delight. That's what the son of David has done with us, leading us then to delight in him even more as those gracious words of assurance lead to verses 12 through 14, where it says, while the king was at his table, my spikenard gave forth its fragrance. Like Mary of Bethany in John 12, who is a type of the bride of Christ who pours forth spikenard on Christ while he's at his table as an act of devotion in gratitude for his grace. That's what we see in this song. And the bride-to-be says he's like a bundle of myrrh around her neck, lying close to her heart as a sweet-smelling aroma. This is a depiction of the love that the bride of Christ is to have for the heavenly bridegroom. The greater than Solomon, the shepherd king who John chapter 12 shows us is the fulfillment of this passage who speaks those words to his church in verse 15, Behold, you are beautiful, my love. Behold, you are beautiful. Your eyes are doves. And then they go back and forth in in verse 16 and 17, and the first verse of chapter 2, leading her in that next part of chapter 2 to desire not only his love and his words of assurance, but to desire his sweetness, safety, and support. She says he's like an apple tree whose shade she longs to sit in. His fruit is sweet to the taste. She wants to be brought into his banqueting house, literally his house of wine, the place where she will taste that love of one verse two that's better than wine. She's longing to be with him. She's longing to enjoy that love that proceeds from the kisses of his mouth that is better than wine. She desires his safety. We see that in 2 verse 3 where she longs to sit in his shade and verse 4 where she envisions his banner over her, a banner of protection, a banner of love, a banner where he is the leader under whose headship she will gladly follow. As he gives her support in verse 6, laying his hand under her head. For all of these reasons, the bride-to-be desires the king, and she is calling us to see how all of these things are provided for us in Christ, the son of David and greater than Solomon, and then to join her in this exclamation of desire. Dear listener, as you hear this song, let it move you to sing, whether for the first time or for the 1,000th time, to sing of the beauty of this king who takes away your sin, who assures you of his grace, who invites you to his house of wine and his banner over those who look to him in faith is one of love. I pray you'll come under that banner. Thank you for listening and may the Lord bless you.